0: 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord. No man can say Jesus is Kurios, God, Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. That's true. No person can say that but by the Holy Spirit. When Peter was asked, Who do you say I am? when Jesus asked, Who do you say I am? he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Man did not give you that. God gave you that. Well, what? Go back up to verse, this John 5th chapter, verse 20, we just read. He has given us an understanding. God gave us that understanding that Christ is God, God incarnate, walking among men to redeem us from the slave market of sin. So, one thing for certain we can always say about salvation. Salvation is of the Lord, first and foremost, and all the way through. Salvation is of the Lord. If you're saved, if I'm saved, it's pure by the, only by the pure grace and mercy of Almighty God, because otherwise we'd be still dead and under the dominion of the devil and sin. Isn't that wonderful? Before, before time was and eternity passed, elect of God, given to Jesus, the Son, coming to reclaim that which had been given to him, saying, I'll not lose one, beginning before time, then until after time is no more on the planet. We are held in the Father's hand, Jesus said, and no one can pluck us out. First John chapter 2 and verse 29. If we know that he is righteous, we know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. If you know that he was manifested, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins... And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his sin remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. And this, the children of God, and the children of the devil. <coughs> Whoso doth not, the right, <coughs> pardon me. Whoso not, the righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. <clears throat> what of the glories about heaven among the many there are there'll be no allergies in heaven <clears throat> so <clears throat> let's pray together <clears throat> holy father we love you and we love your word and Lord, we're grateful. <laughs> we're grateful that this, this is preserved for us, that we can go verse by verse, word by word, and read your holy counsel. And though it's all inspired and delivered to us for our instruction, our direction, our direction and righteousness. Lord, we're grateful. I'm grateful, Father, to be a one who's been appointed to preach and teach your word through the years. I'm grateful, Lord, for the fellowship with you around it. But I've always been mindful, Father, that no mortal, including me, is up to the task to do that which, do it like Jesus did walking the earth. So, Father, I surrender to you. Lord Jesus, wear it like a garment. Because we all, Lord, all of us want to see and hear of Thee unhindered by any fleshly mortal. For Your honor, for Your praise and glory, O God, we surrender to You this time together. In the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior, amen and amen. Well, what can we know about righteousness? First of all, the only thing we can know about righteousness or sin is in the Word of God. That's it. If we're going to know about righteousness and we're going to know about sin, we're going to have to find out what it says in the Word of God and nowhere else. It doesn't come from anyone's, any leader of any sect, their proclamations or ex cathedral, what the Pope might say. It's not there unless they have what they're doing is reciting what is in the Word of God about righteousness. And about sin. In 1 John 2, 29, which you read, is if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. There are two no's in that verse. If we know, then we know, right? You've seen that probably. I've seen them on Facebook posts. Well, if you know, you know. This is, (laughs) I guess, this is here. (laughs) If we know, we know, right? Well, though, interestingly, though, the first no is different from the second no as far as the Greek Language behind it. The first know is oida o i d a, and it means to know a fact. Absolutely know a fact. A second one know is to know school, and it means to know something, but it's not just the knowing of a fact. It's a knowing of a fact by observation. We know information by observation. So we know a fact, and then we know by observation. Doeth is the uh, doing there, present tense word, it means to behave in a certain manner. The present participle, it speaks of continual doing. He that doeth righteousness, he that is continuing to do righteous, righteousness. Now, what is that? That's an observable trait, isn't it? We can observe a person. That person is continuing to do righteousness. And we, based on our observation, knowing also as a fact that God is righteous, we can look at this person that is continually, habitually doing righteousness as a lifestyle and say, wow, that's one of those that has been born of God. That's evidence right there that that person has been born of God. Because it cannot happen. It will not happen ever in a person that's not been born of God. Now, they can do some mighty nice things for a while. I used to tell my kids all the time, still do. True character always speaks. True character always speaks. And when true character speaks, it will speak at its true level what am I telling them? Don't assume nothing up front. (laughs) Wait and see. Because the true character of that person will ultimately speak, and when it ultimately speaks, you're going to get a real clear shot of what their true level character really is. Unsaved people cannot consistently, habitually, as a lifestyle, do righteous things. So if we know as a fact God is righteous and we know if by observation that person is doing righteous things, then we know in our knower that that person is born of God. To sum it all up, doing is the test of being. Or doing is the proof of being. Doing, righteousness, is the proof of being born of God. Not in the process of being born of God mind you, but is it is the fruit of being, having been born of God. If there's fruit, there's life in the root. And the root, in this case, is being born of God. And thus there's the fruit of righteousness that comes from that. Verse, chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, no man, let no man deceive you. And remember, Paul, uh, John is refuting the Gnostic heretics, okay? And the heretics, some of those guys and gals were saying, well, you know, matter is evil, spirit is righteous, so you don't have to worry so much about the flesh and the sins. That, that doesn't matter because we are the ones born again in the spirit, and it doesn't matter. So he's refuting that sort of thing. Let no man deceive you, children. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Get that? He that doeth righteousness is righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. Righteousness, is a noun. What is righteousness? The noun there means it's a standard, a standard that God has set. It pertains to the law, morality, that sort of thing. It's the standard of God for how his people are to live, given to us by the Father. So he that doeth Righteousness is one that's patterning their life in an habitual, continual way at the standard that God has given him and her to live by. We're together. That's righteousness. Righteous means just or correct. And the word says there that he that doeth righteousness is is righteous as God is righteous. That's quite a statement, isn't it? That person that is continually living in a righteous way, doing righteousness, is righteous as God is righteous. Well, you know, we say, well, that person's Doing righteousness as a lifestyle, and that certainly means that person's born of God. But wait a minute, Ray, you're saying to me that person's righteous as God is righteous? No, I didn't tell you that. John did. <laughs> I just read that word. John said that. That person is righteous as God is righteous. Oh, glory to God. First John 2 29 and 3 7. Let's put those two together. Look them in your book. Get your Bible out there and look at it together. Everyone that doeth righteousness, 2.29 says. 3.7 says, he that doeth righteousness. Now, the fascinating thing about these two verses right here is this. That in the Greek, there's another word there that's not in the English translation. And that word is the article the. The. In the Greek, the article the precedes the word righteousness in both cases. He that doeth the righteousness, everyone that doeth the righteousness. <laughs> Doctor H. Leo Edelman. He was a president of New Orleans Baptist Seminary for a while. He was an absolute authority on the Greek language. He was a professor of Greek. He was the first full-time president of Crystal College. His <laughs> I love the guy. One of his favorite words is specificity. He said God's word speaks with specificity. And men, brothers, you are to pray with specificity. And you are to preach with specificity. That's what that is, specificity. The righteousness. He brought the home, the point. The righteousness, speaking with specificity. It is that particular righteousness that God has decreed that we're to walk by. That's what this is talking about. The righteousness. Young's Little Translation has it this way. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, know you that everyone doing the righteousness of him hath been begotten. Comes out clear that way, doesn't it? Everyone doing the righteousness, evidence that him hath he been begotten. 3.7 3.7 7 is basically the same little children that no one to lead you astray he that he who is doing the righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. There's that verse again. Is righteous even as God is righteous. Well, second Corinthians 5:21 says he hath made him to be sin who know no sin, why? Why did he do that? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we are if we're born of God Baptized into Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit of God. We are righteous as God is righteous in the sense that he has declared us judicially righteous. That's positional righteousness in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Positional righteousness. So that particular righteousness. A clear witness. If it's a practice of a person. That that person has been born of God. And what is that then, ladies and gentlemen? We have positional righteousness declared to us by the Father by the imputation of the righteousness of Christ Jesus in us. That's positional. When though a person begins to do righteousness as a lifestyle, that's the positional becoming visible. It has now become practical. What was the position of that person in Christ Jesus has now become practical as they're growing in grace and process of sanctification. They're living more and more and more in obedience to the word of God. So the positional becomes practical. And we look at somebody like this as glory to God. Susie is... There's no Susie here, Right? Susie is one of his. She's been born of God. Why, look at her lifestyle. Look at Bill's, whatever, over here. Bill Crook. That's kind of an accurate. (laughs) Bill Crook is a righteous guy. That guy's born of God, but he's a crook. It's his last name, and I'm fleeting with Bill. But that's it. Our position in Christ Having been have received this imputation of His righteousness into us by the grace of God, the intent of God was that that position become practical, and that's what happens when a person begins as a lifestyle to do the righteousness of God. Well, what can we know about sin? And some of you may be thinking, Ray, I don't need you to tell me anything about sin. <laughs> what can we know about sin from the Word of God? First John 3, 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Whosoever, pos, is a Greek word. All, everyone, each one, each one that sins commits transgression against the law. Committeth, that's the present tense again, doing it, a behavior. A lifestyle, committing sin, transgressing the law. Note again that this is an observable behavior. We can see, well, this person, wow, look at Sam. Nobody's confused about his destiny, I would think. Not that we're not to judge, but we're supposed to be discerning, right? His lifestyle doesn't suggest to me that he's one born of God. It's an observable characteristic. Not only by the Lord, but all those of us around us can see it. If we are committing sin habitually, they know some things about us. Maybe a lot of things about us. But one thing they know is this. That we're not a Christian. We're not a child of God. Maybe with lips, testimony, but not with life. He who committeth sin, sin is a Greek word, harmatia. It means to miss the mark. It's like an archer taking an arrow, shooting at a target, missing the whole thing. It's to miss the mark. That's what harmatia means. But here, in the sense of this, sin is personified as a principle. Personified as a principle. Reigning over unbelievers and persisting in believers. Sin is a principle reigning over unbelievers, ruling over them, and persisting persisting in believers, especially as a slave master doling out payment, payment with the currency of death and decay. Persisting in believers' sin as a slave master, paying us with death and decay, And we're not excluded from that. It does not mean we'll lose our salvation. Falling into sin, not, if you're born of God, is not going to cost you your salvation. It can't be unborn. We'd lose the loss of a witness. There's the loss of our witness for Christ. It could result in the loss of our lives on earth. Not our eternal life, but our loss of life. In 1, John chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 25 through 30, the context there is those who were profaning the Lord's table. Paul writes, let a man examine himself. Then after examining himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, written to believers in the church at Corinth. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Sleep is a euphemism for graveyard dead. Some of those people had died because they were profaning the Lord's table. So we can see that God at times uses sicknesses, illnesses, or whatever. And if we persist in rebellion against Him, having been born of Him, He might go ahead and take us off the planet. But if it doesn't get that severe, while we're dabbling in sin, we're losing eternal rewards because as we're dabbling in sin, we're hindering our fellowship with Him and we're hindering our fellowship with Him. We're hindering our usability of Him and consequently we lose rewards. And then there's a reward of guilty conscience. How many of you like guilty consciences? (laughs) Nobody likes a guilty conscience. and a a few months back was telling me about this particular thing that they had were dealing with and were tempted to do. and I said, well, what are you going to do? Just go ahead and do it? And the person responded, gracious, no, I don't have to repent from that. <laughs> I didn't know where that conversation was going, but I just thought I'd cut across the chase there and see. Gracious, no, I don't have to repent from that. I want to tell you something. You know this probably by experience. I can tell you that I know it by experience. The, the scripture, the old divines used to talk about the Holy Spirit as the holy hound from heaven. I want to tell you something. He can be like that when he brings conviction on you for sin. It's a miserable thing to be convicted and grieve. Praise God, we grieve when we've sinned, committed to sin. To put it simply, Ladies and gentlemen, there's a real high cost to low living. High cost to low living. Sin pays and pays and continues to pay. You say, well, well, you know, I've been forgiven of that sin. I understand that. You you fall into sin. You confess that sin. God forgives you that sin. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness, which includes things you forgot to to confess maybe at that time. And you're forgiven. And you're restored to fellowship. But Paul said this about that in your past. What fruit had you then in which now you're ashamed? You got anything in your life that you know that by the grace of God you've been totally forgiven of? You've been cleansed from? But every time it comes into your mind, you feel shame. I do. I hope you don't. But I do. High cost, the low living. And the Savior certainly purchased us for better than that. He really did. Sin is transgression of the law. Let's go back to this article V again. Since is, sin is transgression of the law. That word transgression, well the words, the transgression of the law are in the Greek one single word, anomia. A-N-O-M-I-A. Anomia. Nomos is law. N-O-M-O-S. You put a privative A in front of it and it's a, it negates the word. Put the A in front of nomos, then you have no law. So what is this? Lawlessness. It's Living like there's no law. Driving like there's no speed limit or whatever. No law. And by the way, that makes sin and lawlessness, those words are interchangeable. You can say, well, lawlessness is sin or sin is lawlessness. No law. Well, what is that? The law. The law. Sin is a defiant act in relationship to the law of God. That's what sin is a defiant violation of God's law. We're dealing with the moral law, right? The moral law of God. Like fashion, the term antinomianism comes from the Greek words anti and nomos antinomian, having a tongue experience, excuse me, antinomian, anti-against-nomus, law. It refers to the false doctrine, and some of these, this came out of the Gnostic heretics teaching that the the law and obedience and sin, like it wasn't all that important. But writing against that is, that term came up. And Martin Luther, in 1539, wrote a treatise, and he's the first one to use that term, to coin that term, antinomianism. Because his treatise, the title of it was, Against the Antimonians, Against Those Who Are Against the Law, or say there's no law that we have to obey. And he contrasted the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, like Paul did. Contrasted the true gospel with the law of God. And he said the law of God is our friend. It's a tutor to bring us to Christ. And after we come to Christ. It instructs us how to follow Christ. That's the law of God. The moral law of God. How can we be against that? Some are. Now look at this verse. 1 John 3, 4. Sin is transgression of the law. And then 1 John two twenty nine and 3, 7. Remember, both of them had the word "the" before righteousness. He that doeth the righteousness, sin is transgression of the law. So we got the law and the righteousness. What is the law? It's the articulation, the manifestation, the revelation of a righteous standard of God. It's His requirement for His children to live by. The law, that God, that God, law of God. Speaking of the moral law, now that's the enduring aspect of the Mosaic law, not the civil law, not the ceremonial part, but the moral law. That's the enduring eternal aspect of the Mosaic law. That's God's law. That's what the law is in verse 4 of John, 1 John chapter 3. And if it reveals God's standard, and he's purposely revealed his standard in a law, then we see the gravity of what transgression against the law is. First Peter 3, 16, or 1 Peter 3.16, or 1.15 or 16. To be holy as I'm holy. Well that's what the law, the moral law, is it's instruction to us how to be holy or live as holy as we possibly can, crucifying the flesh, walking in the faith by the Spirit of God, to be holy. John Stott in the New Testament commentary on this book says sin harmentia, which literally means missing the mark, as I said earlier, is not just a negative failure or a slight deviation from what is right or just, but essentially an active rebellion against the known will of God as revealed to us in the moral law of God. Active rebellion against the known will of God. All sin, every sin, big sins, little sins, middle-sized sins, all of it, every single one of them is an active rebellion against the known will of God as revealed to us in the moral law of God. It's important to acknowledge that. It's important to acknowledge that, remember that, when we're tempted to do wrong. Boy, I would sure like to do this. Do I really want to actively, openly rebel against God and His will for my life? Paul said about the law, What do you say? Oh, my. Sin became exceedingly sinful to me. This is a religious Jew. This was a keeper of the law. And he said, sin became exceedingly sinful to me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the way it needs to come to us. We need to see sin as exceedingly sinful. It's an affront Of the Father who bought me with the blood of His Son. King David understood it. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Well, his sin affected some other people. But I'll tell you, under conviction, he's got one focus. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Sin. Well, sin's bad. (laughs) And what is sin is defined only in the word of God. Okay. Not somewhere else. Only defined in the word of God. Someone may say to you, well, I don't think that's sin. Well, let's look and see. Principle, precept are right on the line somewhere you can find about that particular issue. Now, the, again, this big importance of little words. And I don't want to overplay this. and I'm not trying to dig other formal equivalent translations. That's not my message and point here. I just want to point something out. To illustrate this point, I want to look at this verse, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. I'm going to read it to you out of the New American Standard version. I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James Version. Okay? New American Standard, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. New King James, whosoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. I give the New American Standard this. When he uses the term practice, that means continual doing. And that's what the Greek word poio meant. Continually, habitually practicing. That's good. Where my bothersome point is, is that it just says sin is lawlessness. And lawlessness in general is breaking a law. Anybody's law. Whatever it may be. There are laws made by governments that are Contrary to Scripture. And while we're instructed in Romans 13 to obey the law of our land, there are times when obeying the law of our land would be contrary to the Lord's word of instruction to us. And so that has to become a point of either civil disobedience or spiritual obedience. And those who were said to stop preaching said, shall we obey God or man? We've already made up our decision. We're going to obey God. So it can't be just that, lawlessness, it seems to me. So instead of just using the term sin as lawlessness, we need to be very cognizant of what that lawlessness entails. It's a transgression of the law of God. The law. That's why I like the The law of God isn't changed with political regimes or the times or the whims of culture. It doesn't change. It's always the same. There is no such thing as the new morality with God. So that's why I prefer the the being in front of the law. the maker said the word provides his own definition of sin. Some sin is a naughty deed, usually related to sex that arouses chuckles and laughter. Others see sin as a weakness or imperfection caused by a psychological defect. Still others try to explain sin in terms of a mistake that any human being could make. In short, he says, according to the world, sin is nothing serious. But the Apostle John doesn't agree with that, and neither should you and me. To translate the Greek word anomia as lawlessness is it. Now hear me. To translate the Greek word lawlessness as anomia, and remember in the Greek, that transgression of the law is that one singular Greek word, anomia, to translate that Greek word forward into English as lawlessness, as the New King James and the New American Standard did, is precisely a, an accurate translation of the word. It is. So you can't find fault in the translation, because it's an accurate translation of the word. however, In the context of what John is writing us, in the context of all of Scripture, the commission of sin is a vastly different situation because it signifies a total disregard on a momentary or longer basis for the revealed will of God in His Word for us as His children. And, you know, those of us who read this all the time and do the word studies and whatever, okay, that may not be a big issue. But for a casual reader out there saying, well, sin is lawlessness, so I don't want to break the laws. That does, I don't think that's helpful for them, for them to be cognizant of the fact that sin is a transgression of the moral law of God. The revelation of his nature revealed to us for the purpose of our nature growing in conformity to him. So we can have 100 hundred fellowship more and more and more. What's God's solution? Verse five, if you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, That's it. We know that he was manifested to take away our sin. Now, having said all of that, wow. What did John say in the beginning? I write this so you don't sin, guys and gals. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Because all of us, all of us struggle with sin. I don't know what your pet sin is, but you like it. I'm being funny, hopefully. <laughs> we all have pet weaknesses. Many decades ago, I was still preparing, college preparing for ministry. Two other brothers and I were sitting one evening just chatting, and we talked about things we struggled with. I shared mine. They shared theirs. It was interesting, you know, as a fellow said, he said, well, wow. You know, I've never personally struggled with that. But I struggle with this. I'm thinking, gosh, I never struggle with that. But you know what? We all have them. How do I know that is true about all of us? Because we're all in this robe of flesh. And we're going to wear this thing until we graduate in the glory. Amen. He was manifested to take away our sins. Galatians, but when the fullness of time was come, the fullness of God's time, he sent forth his son, made a woman, made under the law, to redeem that we're under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we're sons, he sent his spirit into our hearts. Crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, we're no more servants, but sons, and if sons, then heirs of God through Christ. <clears throat> what did John say in 3 1? Behold, what love, what love that the Father has bestowed upon us that you and I become the sons and daughters of God. That's his calling. So in light of the foregoing, is there any sin really that I'm tempted with or you're tempted with? Is there any sin that's really worth it? All of our sins are related to and fueled by the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Is there any sin that I struggle with or you struggle with that's really worth it to take a movement, a a move at the moment that is an actual defiance of the law of God, rebel against his will for my life, grieve the Holy Spirit, hinder our relationship, have a guilty conscience, I don't think so, and you know what? I wish I'd always, always thought I don't think so just before I did some of that stupid stuff in your past, my little children. These things I write unto you that you sin not. But if you do, we have an advocate. Who is that advocate? Hebrews seven twenty six, he's our high priest. He is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's our advocate in Christ the Lord. May we, by God's grace, by God's grace and our own diligence, firm self government. Paul said, "I buffet my body; I make it my slave." Our own self government. May we be numbered among those who sin not. So if the Lord wants to speak to the Father tomorrow about me or thee, it's not because of some sin I did or you did. Maybe he could say, like God said to Satan, have you noticed my child there? Have you noticed her? Have you noticed him? By God's grace, may we be that kind of child of God. We love you, Father. Love your word. Press your word to our hearts, our minds, our souls, Lord. We desire, Father, we desire to live step by step, lockstep with your will and purpose for our lives. We pray for grace, God, grace.